Welcome to the Progress Your Health podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progress Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great this morning. Thank you. It's springtime. The birds are singing. The flowers are blooming. The weather is finally getting to be about 50 degrees, yeah. which is good here, which is actually really, really good. Yeah, we can't complain. Uh, there's been uh, you know less rain, more sun. That's always fun. The, uh, the weather is definitely picking up. Now, it's interesting here in uh, Bellingham where we live, there's not a lot of difference between, like winter, it averaged, uh, this at least this winter anyways, which I thought was odd, it averaged like 40 degrees almost the entire winter, which is pretty nice. Uh, you know, I'm originally from you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin area, and 40 degrees in the wintertime is, there wouldn't be any snow. Like, there wouldn't even be winter if it was 40 degrees all year. So we got pretty lucky this winter. And your sister, um, my sister-in-law, she still lives in Minnesota. When I send her the, you know, how warm it is, I'm like, oh, it's cold. It's 41. And she's like, that's t-shirt weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she <laughs> thinks we're, uh, and living in the uh, in uh, Las Vegas like we did for so long, we're, we're kind of, we're getting acclimated certainly to the Northwest. I mean, I think we've uh, transitioned pretty well, but she still thinks we're wimps when it comes to the weather. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't consider that. I think that, you know, back there, I think the weather is just a little bit ridiculous. Uh, it's not as bad as it used to be. Like I remember being a kid, uh, you know, and it was in January, it was always below zero all the time, just frigid temperatures. It doesn't seem like it gets that cold anymore. Like it used to. I can't even imagine what that feels like. Yeah. Uh, so we only go visit in the summer, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> June through like September was like the window. And um, so uh, the winter, yeah, we went back there, I think one time in December and that was it. You know, we're not going to do that. So uh, no offense for anyone that lives in the Midwest. Uh, we totally understand. But at the same time, um, we are a little bit, you know, uh, 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 very sensitive to the cold, <laughs> you know, to say the least. Uh, so. This one, we're going to do another listener question. Um, this one is from Elizabeth. So why don't we just dive right in? Dr. Davidson, why don't you go ahead and read her question? Sure. So um, Elizabeth, her question, is, she actually is a podcast listener. So hi, Elizabeth. Um, thank you for sending your question. It's it's really about um, low levels of T3. So we have a an episode that we did. What number was that? 38. Episode 38 about do you have low levels of T3? So Elizabeth's question is, I just got my lab results back, and they are TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone, is 1.33. Free T4 is 1.64. Free T3 is 2.9. Thyroid peroxidase antibodies, that's for the Hashimoto's, is 16. My doctor said my free T4 was a little high. So she suggested cutting my levothyroxine, which is a T4-only medication, 50 micrograms in half, which would be 25 micrograms, and to come back in a couple months for labs. Do you think my free T3 levels are low? I've been having terrible issues with my muscles and heart palpitations. Elizabeth. Yeah, right. Uh, so um, that's a very common response by her doctor. 
right? To see the free T3 a little bit high, so they automatically... Free T4. I'm sorry, yeah, uh, free T4 to be a little high. Honestly, it's not high. Yeah, no, no. Um, But to reduce the medication by half. Uh, At 50 micrograms or even 25, you might as well not even be on anything, right? I mean, that's not really going to do too much. Very conservative, very common, but nonetheless, it's not going to help the patient feel any better. And I understand that too. Anytime you have a patient that says they're having heart palpitations, you know, the first thought is, okay, is their thyroid too high? We've got to reduce it down. If they're having palpitations, if their heart rate is up, if they're having anxiety or, you know, that that kind of thing. And so I can understand the doctor feeling a little bit more like, okay, well, they're having these symptoms. Maybe it's a T4. Let's cut it in half and see what happens. Because with a low thyroid, let's say, hey, we have low thyroid, you're not going to die. You're just not going to feel great. So they're comfortable doing that. And I understand that. But I would say with, you know, with looking for Elizabeth, that her heart palpitations and terrible issues with the muscles might be something completely different from the thyroid or maybe only a piece of the puzzle. And with her being on 50 micrograms and having muscle problems and heart palpitations, we could definitely assume, at least from our perspective, that the palpitations are coming from something completely different. Uh, If a woman's in perimenopause, menopause, that can cause heart palpitations. Stress. uh, So I look at or we look at heart palpitations as being more of an adrenal issue um, as opposed to being strictly a cardiovascular issue. Now, cases like this, a woman has palpitations. That might be one of her first symptoms that she has or she's, you know, being under under someone's care and they send her to a cardiologist to get those palpitations evaluated, it always comes back normal. They do a stress test. They do all these different, uh, you know, cardiovascular related, cardiology related, you know, testing comes back with a clean bill of health, but the palpitations keep happening um, partially because there's no treatment for the palpitations. So when someone's on thyroid medication of any sort, they get a little freaked out. Okay. You know, even you and I, if someone's having palpitations, that's something that you can't ignore. We have to kind yeah, of... I want to know about it right away. Yeah, we have I don't to, care if it's a Saturday at nine o'clock in the morning. I want to know. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you know more about the history or the situation or the patient, you know, now, and if they've been on a dose for a long time and all of a sudden they just randomly start having palpitations, it's more than likely not. Uh, we don't know how long she's at the 50 micrograms, but, you know, from a dosing perspective, that's not a very high dose. Her numbers don't look great. They don't look terrible, but they don't look great. Uh, you know, for, uh, so the likelihood of that causing her palpitations is probably fairly low. Uh, it would be nice to know how old Elizabeth was, uh, because if she's, you know, late forties, early fifties, that would tell us what we really need to know when that estrogen level starts to drop and those palpitations start to become more prevalent. Yeah. L- estrogen, you know, low levels of estrogen in the beginning for menopause or perimenopause will cause like little, um, they feel like little, um, like flip-flops, like a little, like, like your heart is doing a somersault. And it always seems to happen when you're laying down at night and everything's quiet. And so it's scary, but she's saying she's having more heart palpitations and problems with her muscles. That would make me think that there's probably maybe a little bit, like Dr. Mackey said, something going on with the adrenals that's affecting her electrolytes and causing her sodium and potassium and magnesium and calcium. So some of her mineral imbalances to go off a little bit, because you think about what is a heart, a heart is a big muscle. So if just like if I don't drink enough water, or my electrolytes are off, and I get a terrible Charlie horse in my calf or my foot, that's a, you know, a muscle cramp, you can have the same thing in your heart. Yeah, right. So uh, the term when you have a muscle spasm, you know, you have a, uh, you know, when it just is kind of twitching there a little bit, that's called a fasciculation. And when that happens in the heart, uh, that is what basically atrial fibrillation is. So usually when people have palpitations, there's usually 
a couple of things that can that can usually show up. AFib is the most common arrhythmia there is. You see commercials all online for blood thinning medications that help to prevent stroke risk and you know uh, things of that nature because there is no medication for the for the arrhythmia itself. So they kind of redirect and focus more on stroke prevention than actually dealing with the arrhythmia, you know, the arrhythmia directly because there is, you know, there's, I think there's a medication called Rhythmol. They, a lot of times they use beta blockers, uh, you know, for AFib, but those don't tend to really do all that well. Uh, and just because our patient base is in this, you know, very specific age range, uh, and we see these palpitation things come up all the time. Uh, so in a woman, you know, late 40s, early 50s, she's taking care of the kids, she's working full time, she's got stress, 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 she's not sleeping very well, all of a sudden now these, these palpitations just come up out of nowhere. As you said earlier, it freaks them out, as it should, because it's your heart. Nobody wants your heart to do funny things, uh, you know, but the thyroid kind of gets blamed for that when most of the time, it has nothing to do with the thyroid. Yeah, so looking at her electrolytes, maybe even supplementing with electrolytes, patients that I've had that have had heart palpitations and muscle cramps, is looking at just simple hydration. Maybe they're having hot flashes and it's making them dehydrated. So simple hydration and just some you know minerals and electrolytes can go a long way. So I would definitely put that on the agenda if, you know, if we're looking at somebody like Elizabeth, but looking at her, you know, her lab work for her thyroid, I agree with Dr. Mackey. It's, it's not great. I mean, her TSH is just fine. You know, the 1.33, hey, that's fine. Her T4, her free T4 at 1.6, I usually like to see it a little bit lower, like 1.2, just, um, and because her free T3 is low, what's showing is that T4 is just, you know, building up in the system and not converting over to her free T3, hence her free T3 is at 2.9. Now, if you look at these typical reference ranges, like we always talk about how ridiculous they are because they're so huge, is a reference range for free T3 is 2.2 to 4.4. So you look at hers, 2.9. Hey, you're in range, Elizabeth. It's Your free T3 is fine, but it's not fine. Anything under 3.0, I definitely want to look into. And anybody on, you know, some kind of thyroid medication shouldn't have a free T3 of any, you know, under 3. So definitely her T4 is not converting over to her free T3. So we want to definitely address that. And by cutting her T4 down in half is probably not going to improve that. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's not going to make her feel any better. It's not going to, it's just going to make her numbers look worse. Uh, so in a case like this, usually when someone comes to us on, on T4 monotherapy, Lavoxyl, Levothyroxine, Synthroid, we typically switch them to a compounded thyroid in a lot of cases because, um, you know, for the same reason, we don't agree with the T4 monotherapy because the patient doesn't feel better. Their numbers might, their TSMH, their TSH will go down. Instant release T4, which is what T4 monotherapy is, uh, has a very significant impact on lowering the TSH. So from a very, very uh, simplified perspective, if you're only focusing on the TSH and the medication you're taking lowers the TSH very easily, then that's a, you know, that's a very uh, easy problem to solve. But of the, what, 30 to 40 million cases of hypothyroid in America, everybody gets the same medication. That's where it gets a little bit weird. Thyroid's way too complicated for that. There's too many f factors and variables that go into thyroid function. We can't look at one test and provide one medication for 40 million people. It just doesn't, it just doesn't work that well. Okay, so in this case, we would probably switch and increase her dose right? Switch and increase her dose. Uh, and then maybe not right when she's having the palpitations, deal with the palpitations first, get those under control. Uh, whether that's through estrogen, whether that, uh, you know, uh, you know, BHRT, 
whether that is addressing her adrenals or uh, and mineral status, more than likely a combination of all three of those, and then kind of coming back to the thyroid once those palpitations and the muscle issues are under control. Yeah, I absolutely agree is raising up her T3 and trying to get that T4 to convert to T3 because in a beautiful, perfect world, our free T4 is supposed to convert to free T3 and then we have the active form of thyroid, but things just don't always work that way. And you often see that too in T4 monotherapy is the T4 just kind of pulls and then doesn't convert over to that free T3 as well as it should. So if we were to, you know, I would automatically take her off, just like Dr. Mackey said, take her off the levothyroxine, do a compounded sustained release T4, T3, because what the conventional doctor doesn't want to do, and I understand this, is when you think a lot of doctors are afraid of doing T3 therapy, and I can understand that because conventionally through the big box pharmacies, the only prescription for T3 treatment is Cytomel which is, I can I kind of think is kind of a dirty medication. It's instant release. So you take, if I took Cytomel, it would instantly raise up my T3 way too fast. And that would give me heart palpitations, let alone Elizabeth. So the last thing her doctor wants to do is give her a medication that's going to exacerbate her heart palpitations. That's why we never use an instant release T3. What we tend to use is a sustained release T3 that just comes in your system very gently. It comes up and doesn't have the cardiovascular effects. So if her, you know, you know, compounding pharmacies are all over the place, but a lot of doctors are just familiar with the big box pharmacies and just what big pharma is offering. So if they don't have access or understand, hey, we could do a sustained release free T3, that would take away the cardiovascular pressure on her system, raise up her T3, she'd probably feel better. And then like Dr. Mackey said, is let's look at it as a bigger picture. So we're looking at the thyroid, we're looking at her minerals, we're looking at her female hormone status, and we're looking at her adrenal glands. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, that uh, uh, there's this you know, fear when it comes to, you know, T3 medication in the conventional set, er, in, con, in a conventional setting, everybody is leery of prescribing Cytomel because those, you know, cardiovascular side effects are so common. Uh, I mean, most people can't take beyond like, you know, 10 micrograms, five to 10 micrograms of Cytomel before they start having those symptoms. So that's why one, we don't like to use it. Um, you know, we might use it occasionally here or there, uh, but it's very rare you know, specifically for the palpitation issue, but because we've been working with women in this age range for so long, this heart palpitation issue comes up all the time. Uh, and, you know, most of these women are very healthy. Um, and, you know, they've been evaluated. They have, you know, lots of doctors on their team. They go through the proper evaluation uh, and they get a good uh, cardiovascular bill of health that there's nothing wrong. Uh, but, they still keep having the palpitations. What are we going to do about those palpitations? So mineral status, uh, adrenal function, uh, and potentially uh, changing the thyroid medication uh, and uh, looking at you know um, BHRT specifically estrogen. Those you know that's a a pretty. Uh, if you, you know, lack of a better term, a holistic approach to a problem like that. Now, one, she's going to feel better and she's not going to have that side effect, you know, on an ongoing issue or an ongoing basis. And just to, you know, just to, you know, also address her lab results here, her thyroid peroxidase antibody was 16, which every lab's a little bit different. Some of them have it under 32. Some of them say under nine. Everyone is, she, d she doesn't have the actual reference range of the 16. Like if it's, I use per milliliter or I use per deciliter. So I'm not sure if she would be technically positive for Hashimoto's or not. Cause typically if she were, you know, a thyroid peroxidase antibody or 
uh, they also call it a TPO antibody, should be less than nine if it's an IU over ML. So this, I'm thinking, is probably more of the, um, the IU over DL or the other one that says less than 32. So I'd have to probably really see her actual lab work to see if it's truly Hashimoto's or not. Yeah, right. Uh, and with her numbers, I don't think it really matters it's too much. Low. Yeah, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it probably, it, you're like you said, it's probably in the normal range. Or if it isn't, it's just barely outside the normal range yeah. and it's not affecting her other numbers yeah, we that, just, that we, much. We would need the units for that one. The other ones, we don't need the units. We already know that. We would just need those units for that. But I would, you know, I always do kind of keep an eye on the all the Hashimoto's antibodies like the thyroid peroxidase or also the um, one that's not tested as often for Hashimoto's, the thyroid, the thyroid globulin antibodies. Those are also part of Hashimoto's. So, you know, we always keep an eye on that too. So with, you know, with Elizabeth, I'm glad that her doctor is keeping an eye on those. Yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, we definitely think that her free T3 could be better. Um, but really the more important issue is, is the medication. The medication was just not going from 50 to 25, you know, both of them I think are somewhat, um, uh, ineffective. Uh, you know, certainly going from 50 to 25 is ineffective, but just the medication itself is ineffective. Uh, so switching her, uh, you know, for some, uh, for some people, uh, NDT, non, non-desiccated thyroid or natural desiccated thyroid is certainly very popular. Um, that would be a fine option mm-hmm. for her. I know there's some controversy as some of the sourcing and, you know, everything from China and all this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, that is certainly going to have an, uh, you know, an impact since the coronavirus stuff is, uh, you know, has happened, realizing more and more where some of those raw materials are coming from. Uh, some of them we might not even have known where the raw materials are coming from, but now because everything was on lockdown for so long, we might you know, be able to know where some of those raw materials are coming from. Uh, and it might, you know, it might have, you know, further effects as, as 2020 continues. Uh, but palpitations, uh, you know, that is, you know, that's definitely a scary mm-hmm. one. Nobody likes to have their heart doing funny things like that. Um, but rest assured, and most of the time, uh, just b- believe that that is usually not your heart, even though your heart's doing funky stuff. Uh, you know, just like a, you know, like I said, a, a, a muscle spasm in your thigh or something, you know, that's what your heart's doing. It's not supposed to do that, but it's usually coming from some other reason than your heart itself, uh, you know, and, um, uh, if you are having that issue, please go get it evaluated. You know, you can't, you can't take the risk of not having it evaluated. Um, but usually that is, uh, you know, uh, you know, we don't need to get into the heart on this one, but usually most of those types of arrhythmias are from the atria. Okay. There's the, you know, your heart has the atria and the ventricles. Uh, arrhythmias that arise from the atria are usually not very serious. The ones that arise from the ventricles, uh, ventricular ventricular tachycardia, ventricular fibrillation, those are much more serious. The ones from the atria, they feel like they're problematic, but they're you know not usually that serious. AFib, A flutter, uh, PVCs and PACs, premature ventricular contractions, premature atrial contractions, those also can show up in your heart, can do funny things like that. PVCs of the four that I just said, the PVCs tend to be maybe the most uh, significant ones to pay attention to. Um, but again, that's a, a bigger conversation. But in this context, most of the time, heart palpitations are going to be AFib, um, very common, uh, and usually, you know, something other than the heart is leading to that. So um, Dr. Davis, do you have anything else to add for this one? No, no, I'm glad that you did add that in if your heart is doing some interesting things. I mean, it's always great to have it checked out. And honestly, I think People need to have a healthcare team. You know, they're a naturopath, they're a GP, they're 
you know, they're cardiologists. It's good to have their, you know, a team team put together. So, you know, I, I but I do think that if she went and got her, you know, heart testing, which is great, but, mo- you know, most of the time people's hearts are very strong and very healthy. It's just more of a, an outlying issue that's creating that symptom. Yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, we'll talk more about that because that does come up, uh, you know, um, I wouldn't say necessarily unfortunately, but it does, it is something that we deal with and see quite often. Uh, So we'll talk more specifically about heart palpitations in the future. Uh, We do get questions and, you know, our own patients are dealing with those things, you know, from time to time. So uh, I think this one is good. Uh, Any final words? Nope. Nope. That was great. Okay. Until next time, I'm Dr. Mackey. I'm Dr. Davidson. Take care. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at progressyourhealth.com.